makes you as think though we are all the same, <laughs> as though we share the same taste. I think a quick perusal of my video collection will tell you <laughs> many of us walk to the beat of our own drummer. Empty your mind. Be formless, shapeless, like water. Now you put water into a cup, it becomes the cup. You put water into a bottle, it becomes the bottle. You put it in a teapot, it becomes the teapot. Now water can flow or it can crash. Be water, my friend. Yo, yo, yo. Welcome to Made to Think with your host, Ninjam. This is the Slam Jam episode 14, and we finally made it to Mexico. Before I get going on this episode, I just want to wish you all Happy New Year. Sorry for the delay. Uh, big shout out to all my supporters so far. We're nearly at the 100 followers mark. So if you're still listening to this and you haven't yet subscribed, please do me a favor. Go to Spotify, click on the little star follow me leave me a review i'll give you a shout out we're moving forward is epic thank you so much i really appreciate all your listens now let's get cracking it's a new year and it's a new country it was very emotional to say goodbye to america um could i survive without the comforts of a what we call a first world country well only time would tell during preparation to take off from Los Angeles, the pilot asked us all to be patient whilst mechanics checked a small dent in the side of the plane. An hour later, and he assured us all we were good to go, which doesn't help the fact that I had a connecting flight at Houston, which I was sure to miss. I was right. Fortunately, however, they had rescheduled me to fly on the next plane. Only a two-hour wait. It was funny because I'd been sp I'd spent three months in, in America traveling by car, and this was the first time I got on a plane in quite a while, and it got delayed. So back, back then, I didn't have a mobile phone to contact my new awaiting host in Mexico. So I had a little trick uh, to search for an internet connection. Back then, you could sit outside the president's suites in the airport and you'd pick up free wireless without having to pay the price. Those are the little tricks that travelers learn. So I was a little unsure about the whole visa issue on arrival to Mexico. When I entered America, I felt like a criminal. There were fingerprints and photos taken and many questions were asked. However, in Mexico, I got to choose how long I wanted to stay for, anything up to 180 days. I took 90, slipped the hombre a gracias, and looked for an ATM. It all seemed way too easy. A short taxi ride, and I'm at my next destination, finally meeting my 29th official host, Adrian Montfort. One of the original couch surfers who responded to the big email I sent to couch surfing all those years ago. I was so eager to meet up. The taxi pulled up beside one of Mexico's most respected universities, which is called the Tech, also known as the napkin holder. You have to see it to believe it. The only thing lacking as I stepped out from the taxi was the chariots of fire song. We had that slow motion, the action, the embrace, and then I was finally introduced to Adrian's girlfriend, Rebecca. We all give each other a massive hug, and that's what couch surfers do. We all fell at home. We all felt at home immediately. Taking a short walk through the tech area, I had my first taste of Monterey. I'd not even put my bags down yet. 
the fresh smell of tacos, hundreds of open grills sizzling with flip flower tortillas, occasionally outdone by the most mouth-watering smell of barbecue meat, a local tradition called carne asada. It's hard to believe it's only Wednesday night. There were beer bottles clanging, football fans parading the air. Salud! Echoes through the dusty, dim, lightened streets. In just under 10 minutes, I'm in love with Mexico. Dropping my bags finally at Rebecca's house, I was introduced to her two roommates, two more couch surfers, her sister, Arena, and David. Again, I felt an overwhelming welcome, a great sense of kindness, and a need to make sure I felt as comfortable as possible. Arena was studying to be a journalist at the tech. After finding out about my Couchsurfing the World project, she immediately requested to do a story on me in the following week for the local student newspaper. That was kind of cool. After the formal introduction, a cold beer beckoned. I wanted to sample the local delights. A great concept implemented throughout Mexico, worth noting, is you can return empty beer bottles to the shop and buy new ones at a discounted price. Sounds like a real bargain. I found this hard to believe as the beer was already cheap. A typical carton consisting of 24 bottles cost about six pound. I was sad to only have two hands. A pack of smokes cost only one pound. The list goes on. That night, I had to drop a beer from my top fav five favourites and replace it with the awesome Indio, which was brewed in Monterey. Smooth and tasty, beer of the gods. Feeling hungry now, we hit Tacos Felix, the best place in town, according to my host, to get Campachanas, which are a flour tortilla packed with spiced pork, grilled beef, cheese, onions and cilantro. I learned my first rule about eating in Mexico. Nothing is complete without the three amigos, lemons, salsa, and salt. When I say lemons, I really mean limes, but this is Mexico. In the morning, I was introduced to Adrian's family, who I will be staying with for the next 12 days whilst I adjust to my new surroundings and plan my trip in Mexico ahead of time. You know, back then I didn't plan anything. I just went with the floor. I felt so lucky. They were incredibly inviting, kind and intensely lovable. Adrian's father, Mario, was a percussionist of the highest level playing for the Philharmonica Orchestra and was also a master chef. I've enjoyed so many amazing lunches, dinners, sitting around the table with this wonderful, charming and softly spoken uh, family whose mother, Carmen, uh, and funky little brother, Mauricio, and sweet little sister, Lily, all kept me highly entertained. This was my new Mexican family, who I fell in love with dearly. Thank you so much for taking care of me. That Thursday, the next day, we had a stroll around the tech. It's the only university I know that had wildlife on the campus. Adrian took me on a bus ride through Monterey. It's so beautiful. The whole city is surrounded by giant Hawaii-style mountains, dotted with pastel brown and white houses varying in shapes and sizes. The neglected bus, craving a washdown, bounced up and down over the uneven roads, kicking up dust clouds in its trail, weaving through roads filled with lime green taxis, honking horns, and the lazy midday traffic pacing through the intense heat. We stopped off at Cerro de las Mitra, taking a walk up the mountains. I'm suddenly in the ghettos, houses made from cardboard 
held up by its neighbour. A rusty old car jacked up without wheels. Uneven walkways. Flood wounds throughout the mountains glistening. It's like I just found a diamond ring. Yet when I looked behind the rock, the workmanship was a bit shabby. Unfinished. Needing attention. We visited the local schools, handing out flyers to make the kids aware that they can learn to speak English nearby at a voluntary centre, which Adrian participates in. Or they could come down the local pub with me after a few scoops and learn English real fast. All Mexicans have to do 480 hours community service mandatory. The kids flocked around me. Most of them had probably never seen a blondie, as they call me. Friday, we hit a party at Cafe Iguana in downtown Monterey. It was a cool place playing live rock bands serving caguamas, which literally means giant turtle, representing a giant bottle of beer wrapped in a brown paper bag, all for just £2.50. Señor, por favor, cinco caguamas. Gracias. I was learning a bit of Spanish on the way. Downtown Monterey offers a lot of nightlife, trendy bars, clean cobbled streets, a fusion of styles and atmosphere, but best of all, the intense, deeply satisfying, lung-fill smell of dogos, which was a red pork sausage stuffed with cheese wrapped in bacon and grilled to form the most incredible, incredible hot dog I'd ever had. So these so-called third world countries may be poor, but I tell you near fella, they sure know how to eat and party. Saturday night, I was taken to a swanky restaurant called Nuquin in the downtown area by a good friend of Adrian's, the happy, smiling Carlos Jordan. A mixture of Argentinian, Mexican and Italian food. We ordered the biggest meat dish possible. Oh, my Lord. We had filet mignon, ribeye, braised, sirloin. Seemed like the whole animal was sat on my table, including two bottles of vino latinto. I'd spent less than 20 quid. This place is fucking amazing. Feeling tipsy, we hit my favourite bar, the Love Pub. A friendly atmosphere of chilled out people scattered along the floor between comfortable cushions, drinking a litre of beer for £1.50. Heaven in a white cup. However, I also sampled the worst drink I've ever tasted, called a chamacella. It was basically a yellow plastic straw wrapped in tamarind pulp paste mixed with chilli and salt in a beverage that tastes like salt water. yee I may as well have stuck my finger in a plug socket. It sent shivers down my spine. The Mexicans love salt so much, they could probably survive underwater. It wasn't for me, fella. It was here then that I also met my second Mexican family. Dan, Juan, Andres, Marco and David. We talked the night away, jumping from one bar to the next. They were so excited to see a guy from Manchester. We shared dreams, interests and an overall ambition to spread love to the world. I was later then whisked away by Dan's brother, Pacquiao, to DJ at his friend's house. We danced through the night and sealed an eternal brotherhood. And there was talk of me DJing in town the following day. So Monday, I joined Adrian for a stroll around downtown, a city slowly rising from the dust, taking the shape of the modern world, yet holding on to the all-important Mexican traditions. Street corners inhabited with an array of food stands, seasoned corn on the cob, Mexican hamburgers made with turkey, fried beans and cheese, more tacos, burritos. The only thing I didn't see are fajitas, because you know what? They're not Mexican, are they? I watch a wrinkled old face doze in the shadows. Students stretched out with their laptops. 
a dirty white skirt with a five-month pot belly filling the steel can drum with trash. Everybody's smoking. The businessman reading the paper whilst having his shoes shined. A world of poverty flashing by in his toes. I have to keep my eyes on the sidewalk. At any moment, I may miss a steep drop onto the road. Wherever I go, the mountains follow, watching my every move. Strolling down the recently made river walk, we stop for a beer and watch the neon lights change colour in the flowing water. A metaphor, it seemed, the stream representing a world moving in one direction, yet Mexico continues to glow in the moonlight. In the evening, I was invited to a special dinner, cooked by a professional chef and also a school friend of Adrian. His name was Gustavo. He prepared a fried bean soup with sour cream, a range of gourmet tacos, pork, shrimp, beef, and peanut butter. Fucking amazing, man. And we finished with banana and cinnamon crepes. Gustavo gave me one of his chef jackets as a gift. It was emotional, and I vowed to wear it wherever I cook around the world. The next evening, I had to repair the feather. So I cooked for Adrian's family. I invited Gustavo over with his girlfriend, put my jacket on, and I made my famous spicy meatballs with mozzarella centers with the real deal Italian gravy. Empty plates and the thumbs up from Gustavo were the first signs of a successful meal. The confirmation being an unforgettable phenomena called pandiando, meaning to literally act like a panda. Everyone at the table began to lean to one side, half asleep. Strange, but truly satisfying. I had to join in. <laughs> we spent the rest of the week contacting local clubs to host my first big couchsurfing party in Mexico. We wanted to go out with a bang. So a place called Akbar in downtown was quick to reply. I offered to play for free because by now I was the new international couchsurfing DJ, as long as they would allow all couchsurfing guests free entry on the door. Agreed. Handshaked. We had two days to advertise. Adrian and the crew did an incredible job of contacting all the local couchsurfers, people at university. We got somebody called Nick from Candy Media, got a flyer made. It was all done within two days. Boom. With the club confirmed, we focused our sights on attaining some decent equipment, which is not easy. I really didn't fancy using Denon CDs again. All those crap Geminis. After almost giving up hope, my second Mexican family came to the rescue. Uh, Pacheco and brother Dan managed to lend a sweet setup from a cousin. We got some CDJs, absolute live server. Everything, everything was in place and all we need now was the people. The night was an absolute ripper. The venue was packed to the rafters. The music was rocking because obviously I was DJing. I was given a free bottle of Bacardi and tequila and as many free beers as I could drink. One of the best nights of my life. It was a dream come true for me. A little old lad from Bolton playing in Mexico. Thanks to my hero, Adrian. I love you, man. You're amazing. And thanks to all the couch surfers that came down that night. If anybody's listening, it was a super, super good memory. Saturday that night, again, I was asked to DJ another private party. This is how it rolls. It seemed I'd hit the right notes with the locals. So again, I met up with brother Pacheco and his wife, and they escorted me to the next party. And I dropped my first tune. There was an overwhelming scream of Manchester, Manchester, Manchester. And in return, I shouted, Monterey, Monterey, Monterey. Let's have it. This place was mega. Sunday night, I was taken for a farewell, meal, a farewell meal by Dan, Juan, Marco, and Andres, and of course, Adrian. 
You have all made my stay in Monterey so amazing. And I've I kept in touch with these guys ever since. In fact, Adrian came over to Vietnam to see me recently. Love you, brother. Love you all. Thank you for the memories. It was a big salute. That was my first place in Mexico. And now we were heading south. Next up, Zacatecas. So with Monterey embedded in my soul, I took to the road alone for the first time on my trip. I found comfort chilling on a luxurious coach costing just 12 quid, which safely got me to my next destination further south in just under six hours. On my way to Zacatecas, I'd almost given up looking out of the window, watching the barren lands of the Mexican desert whiz by. However, for some strange reason, at one particular moment, an overwhelming sense to peep behind the sunscreen came about me. Lying beside the road, I saw a car, which had obviously rolled over several times. Then hands clutched to a face, dirty tear streams smothering the cheeks. Two fists banging the sidewalk and the silent screams piercing my concave, tinted window. As the sun pinched my eyelids, my heart sank desperately. A poor Mexican father lay dead by the road, his hands across his chest, his hat upon his face, the last gasp of life seen in the revealed tainted smile. Just like the opening scene in The Doors, I felt a magic reside around me as though the soul of the man took the spare seat at my side. The faint outline of my hands on the window began to fade as the coach pursued its destination. I arrived fairly late and jumped in a taxi and met with my 30th official host, Octavio, at his home. It was a warm greeting, yet again. Octavio made sure I was set for the night before I surrendered to the cousin of death. Finding Octavio's invisible couch a tad uncomfortable, I took to the floor, listening to the sounds of a new place at night. It was a bit of a crazy place, like in the middle of a ghetto. I could hear screams and shouts and cars being set on fire outside. So I just ended up staying home that night. The next day, I was taken downtown. It was a cheap bus ride, almost as much fun as a roller coaster, battling the uneven roads. I was glad to still be alive, to be honest, as I stepped out into the 450-year-old city that had been attacked during the Spanish invasion who killed all the locals and bred with the survivors, leaving a European stamp mark on the cobbled streets. You see this quite a lot around the world. I could, I could feel its architecture, its ancient architecture, very European. It was an isolated town encapsulated with Catholic trust. Its quietness almost deafening. Conservative faces flash by, the sun giving warmth to a cold vicinity. I sense no party people as such, yet its, yet its character danced with illumination. Once a town known for its silver, I stopped to gasp at the cathedral, said to look like it was built by ants. Its intricacy played games with my mind, like stopping by a field of roses. As you step closer, the true beauty of the flower is felt, a hundred hands chipping away for my eyes to perceive. This was obviously an old world building, Tartarian, in fact. We'll get to that later. A new smell graced my lungs as I watched the locals flip tamales. A corn skin wrapped, stuffed with meat grilled on smoking coals. Apparently, a dish of the Mayans who once used human flesh for its contents. There are some advantages of the modern world after all. Catching some rays, we stopped beside a beautiful water fountain whilst the locals entertained us with a parade. Octavio shared a great conversation with me 
opening my eyes to a new and wonderful things. One being the Wicholis, which are an ancient tribe famous for taking peyote, a highly hallucinogenic plant grown all over Mexico. I had heard about them before through the famous Carlos Castaneda books and found the people most intriguing. I walked with Octavio to a local shop showcasing the many talents of the tribe, the most beautiful and vibrant hand-decorated jewellery I've ever seen made from wood, elastic and tiny coloured beads, all embedded with the peyote flower, the symbol of the tribe's ongoing rituals. And it was here at this shop, I met the shopkeeper, who was looking at me quite funny. And he said to me, you need to go and see my friend. This is completely um, out of the blue. Octavio then walked out of the shop and left me alone with this guy. This guy wrote down an address and he said, please go and see my friend. Don't ask questions. He, he'll change your life. See, I was up for a bit of adventure. So I took that piece of paper and I put it in my pocket. So then after that, I came out feeling quite High, um, or high, let's say. And he hadn't smoked anything, I hadn't took anything. I just looked at all this beautiful, which all this artwork. And I was very, very inspired to go and see this guy. We stopped again after that in a small garden area. There were steel benches littered with lazy old Mexicans retired from work, but not from the sun. Mexican hats and boots twitched away, as did my worries and fears. During the night, we paced the streets looking for a place to eat. The sidewalks looked like cracked icing on a chocolate cake. Everywhere was closed, so I had to settle on tacos. I'll tell you something there. I could eat tacos every day. It's not a bad thing at all. I've become so secretly in love with the spice little buggers. I was hoping to check out the local club, which you could access via a mine shaft, but it's closed during the week. Here's another little thing that I've found. All these places that have all these old buildings, old world buildings, there's always mine shafts or caves underneath. We'll get to that later. As Octavio had to leave for school the next day, I said my farewells at night. I'd known this guy just for one day, and he took me around this magical city and introduced me to a very strange idea or the, my next mission, which was to go and see this guy. So instead of going straight to Guadalajara, I jumped in a taxi and did something that I hadn't done yet. Just, just went with the floor completely. I got in a taxi to San Luis Portici. I didn't know who was going to be my next host. I didn't know where I was going or who I was going to be staying with. And I didn't know if I was going to get back. I drove three hours in a taxi, come up to this house, and I saw the biggest dog I've ever seen in my life sat at this house. I said, hello, is anybody home? And the dog walked into this house. I walked into this house. It was open, the door. I sat down on the sofa and there was a cup of tea still steaming. I didn't know what to do. So I just sat down in this house and I waited. And the conversation and the experience I had in that house is coming up in the next episode. Esoteric Ego, part two. And it's going to get crazy. Thank you for listening. And remember, have it large. Don't forget, click on that subscription and we'll see you on the next episode. Bye.